1: We all love movies, but the world of entertainment has been shifting over the years, and now our options are broader than ever. We may be waiting for movie theaters to reopen, but in the interim, we've got Netflix, HBO Max, Amazon Prime, Disney, Hulu, Apple TV, CBS All Access, and more to keep us busy. We've got more incredible movies to be excited about and discuss than ever before, so let's dig in. Welcome to the Film Board. It's January, which used to be the doldrums for films, but in these Wild West days of all streaming and no theaters, it wasn't a struggle to find interesting films to discuss on the film board this month. In fact, with our current plans of covering two films per month, it actually was hard to narrow it down to just two. To kick 2021 off, we're starting off with Ramin Barani's The White Tiger on Netflix. My name is Andy Nelson, host of The Next Reel, and today I'm chatting with two hosts from various Next Reel properties to get their thoughts on this movie so we can share them with all of you. Ocean
2: Murph! Hello. Good, Good evening, everyone. Looking forward to it.
1: Welcome, and Kyle. How are you, Kyle? Hey. Doing swell. Excellent. Well, before we begin... Let's talk Letterboxd. We are big fans of Letterboxd. It's the perfect social site for movie lovers. You can read, write, and comment on reviews. You can track stats. You can make friends. It's movie lover heaven. Well, Letterbox is now providing a 20% discount for any NextReal listener who uses the discount code THE Next when upgrading their membership to pro or patron status. The benefits are great. I've always been a fan of the statistics, but you know, I also love this new feature where I get actually notified when films on my watch list are added to new streaming services of mine. It is fantastic. So head to thenextreel.com slash letterbox and get your own upgraded Letterbox membership today.
2: When I first saw him, I knew then, this was the master for me. I want to be a driver for your son. Hey, how hey, don't do that. <laughs> hey, driver! I'm Pinky, nice to meet
0: you.
1: Balram, well have you ever seen a computer? We had many of them in the village with the goats. The goats are pretty advanced to use computers. Okay, now you're being a jerky. I didn't like the way he had spoken about me. Since I was a boy, the desire to be a servant had
3: been hammered into my skull.
1: I, Balram Halwai, I drove the car.
0: I was alone in the car. They made me sign that confession. Why would you kick him?
1: Why would you hit him like that? You're my driver. The White Tiger, Ocean. Yes. What did you think of this one?
2: Um... So the, uh, my overall impressions, the movie was well acted. Um, I, I enjoyed the performances and the through line of the story. Um, I, I thought it was, you know, well done, well paced, good structuring. Um, and I've, I found it to be entertaining. I, I had one problem that I, I really found I could not get over with, get over, which was mm. the structure of the storytelling. Right. Interesting. So, so hmm. after the, the, you know, the the opening, the opening sequence of it is really a mid movie tease. It's the mid movie tease of the scene that's going to be our main character, uh, Balram's life changing event. And then the movie really jumps to the end, right, where Bahram is talking after everything has occurred. Right. And then then the, then then uh, then after about a minute of that, it goes back to the beginning of the story. And then you start to linearly kind of go through the, you know, for lack of a better term, the adventure of of Balram and his his journey uh to raise raise his own status a, a, in India. And so I found that because they use that structure and that device. I, I, you know, you at the very beginning of the movie, you already know that he gets out of servitude and becomes financially independent and successful. Uh, so there's little tension in his stories, and I and I felt that it really diminished the stakes. Uh, so so I, I felt you know the whole way, oh, well, I already know what's going to happen because you've told me in the first minute, and and I and I found that to be something where I kind of wished I couldn't think of a better way for them to structure the movie, but I I found that that structure caused it to where. I wasn't feeling the tension or the angst that you should feel from the story of, you know, is he, or isn't he going to make it because you've already told me he does.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Kyle, how does that all strike you? And, uh, and what were your initial thoughts of the film?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I agree with, I agree with almost entirely.
1: So I guess I don't need to say anymore, but
3: no, I agree. Uh, But my, my problem is it was more exactly that, that there's like, you've already seen it as a successful businessman. So, all we know is sort of just we're just going to see some events as like there's no narrative uh, tension going through that we're we're trying to follow. In the if it had been the story of a successful businessman and then it says like but I, it took a lot to get here and then you go back and you see how it is okay that's a valid story. But my main issue with it was just the the style that they used to tell the story. I don't mind fractured. Narrative. I think it's great. I think, you know, like shaking that stuff up is is fantastic. But when you need to, like, pick something and stick with it, like if you're going to have him writing the email and his voiceover, OK, seems a little clunky now that you just constantly have him. Voiceover. But then sometimes he talks to the screen, but sometimes he doesn't. So it's like okay, you could just have him narrating the story. We've seen that before, and it works really well because the actor then gets to perform and not just do record and voiceover. But they did that a couple times, and then that was really jarring. And then sometimes there would be the thing, like at, even at the end where everyone's standing together, like sort of they're now part of the meta-narrative, like they're they're part of the, that they're talking to, they're standing there staring at us. And, okay, that's interesting, but you didn't do it any other time. So it sort of loses the impact. So I, I kind of wished he had the director had just picked a lane and stayed in it uh, because it felt like they were just, he was trying a bunch of different things and the more different ways they had and the more timelines we went through, the, the, the more the, the tension drooped and it was sort of like, okay, what's next? Okay. What's next? And I was never really that, you know, on the edge about anything, especially when you start with probably the most dramatic thing that happens, you show it in the first couple minutes and it's like, Okay, so it's a swordfish problem. You show the most exciting thing that's going to happen in your movie right then, and then the rest of the movie is sort of like, oh, well, we've already seen the, the big thing. I mean when the murder comes across as like eh,
1: <laughs> there's a problem. Yeah, that's interesting. I actually really really enjoyed this film. I found it to be incredibly compelling and strong. Hmm. But I have the same issue that you do. I don't think it struck me as problematic as it did for both of you because I I mean I obviously still really connected with this film. I really enjoyed the story and I enjoyed the character's journey. But it was one of those it was one of those beginnings of a film Uh, You know, I go I always go back to Brian De Palma's Carlito's way as the one that struck me Hmm. the most with this problem, because that's a story that begins with Al Pacino's character. He's, uh, you know, on a stretcher uh, at a hospital. He's going in because he's been shot and he's dying. He's watching the lights overhead go past as he's kicking off his voiceover as it sets up the story. And then you flash back and you have his whole story that leads to that moment. And it it really kind of took some power out of the film for me because I felt like it worked without that. I didn't need that moment at the beginning. And so I did a test. I actually, when I subsequently later showed that film, I watched it again with my wife. And I actually started it like after that. I started it as soon as that ends with the rest of the film. And then I went back and showed her how it began. And she's like, why would they begin it that way? It totally ruins (laughs) that whole, it takes that punch out. And there is an element of that that does get lost because we're already seeing, now we we don't fully see exactly what's happening, but we certainly have the setup for it. And like you said, we Mm -hmm. get the three years later, here he is now as a successful businessman. But I will say the way that they played that I don't think they revealed that he was a successful businessman. I just think that they revealed he was successful. And in my head, I was thinking, so is he like, is he dealing drugs now? Like, what's he doing? Like his Hmm. whole lifestyle seemed totally different. And so I was actually really intrigued to, you know, find out, oh, he's actually running a driver, a driving company now. And so I, I ended up finding that actually worked the way that they set that up. But, um, I think, because of the themes in the story and everything else going on, I guess I ended up finding uh finding that it was okay to begin that way- because I felt like you know what it's with the themes that we're exploring here, which we'll get into here in a little bit it it might be okay to kind of lead in because a lot of that also ties into this this you know supposed email he's sending to this uh Chinese leader who's coming to visit their country, which is kind of the narrative or the narration voiceover that we hear throughout is part of this email which which ends up not going anywhere but it does (laughs) and that's what i thought was so funny because when that guy gets there it's like he it's it's clear that this guy never has read any read read the email or anything and it's all in or or it's all in uh balram's head and i actually thought that was really interesting because i'm like he is in this place now where he he is he sees himself as so much higher up than he really is but he still is not there but he's now at a place where he's not going to let that bother him and now it's almost like he will continue to view I I don't know. It's interesting because it's almost like is it a continuation of that whole servant and master thing and now he's like being this servile person to this other person? I don't know, but I found it to be really I don't know. I had a, I almost laughed out loud at that at that <laughs> moment because of the way that it played out.
2: Well, what what would, what would yeah, jump ahead yeah, the
1: We've got some third act problems. Exactly. But I think we'll, we'll get we can there, but sorry, I'm go so ahead. ahead Ocean. We'll jump
2: ahead and talk about that because I have an I have a take on that as well about, yeah. about that 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 final scene when they do when he talks to the prime minister. But we, we can save that so when we get yeah. to that part of the movie, yeah,
1: yeah. we'll we'll get there. Uh, so Ramin Barani, I don't know if either of you are familiar with his work. Um, he was a very like a, a very well uh, discussed filmmaker um, because he had a lot of critical acclaim for his first two films, man, push cart and chop shop. Um, one of those, I think it was man, push cart. I think Roger Ebert said that it was the best film of the decade, something like that. Um, and this was like in the two thousands. Um, he has had some other big success with some indies that he's done like, or I shouldn't say big success, but some success like uh 99 homes that he did um, but then he adapted for HBO um, Fahrenheit Four Fifty One, Ray Bradbury's novel, with Michael B. Jordan starring in it, and that just had terrible reviews.
2: Yeah, because it, it 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 wasn't that good.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, and, and I mean it's a tough film to adapt and yeah. a tough story to adapt. Um, so you know, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean. Do you feel I mean I I have either of you seen any of his films?
2: Well, I I had, I've seen the, four, the Fahrenheit 451 film. Um I okay. saw that and uh, that film had a lot of problems. It was a mixed bag there with what's going on yeah. in that one. But um, you know, I I think that though Comparing, you know, comparing at or even discussing the two in tandem, I I think that they both demonstrate that he's, you know, a solid director. You know, the the movement and pacing and the performances he's getting out of the actors and all that, it it is all a quality uh, product, right? So even though I didn't like Fahrenheit 451, I mean, I I recognize that, okay, they're trying some things here and then the source material is going to handcuff you a little bit. Right, Um, and and with and with this one, you know, there was even when I think of my quibbles, it it really has nothing to do with how it's made, or 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 the direction, or the Mm -hmm. pacing, or anything. It doesn't even mean that I didn't enjoy the movie. I just felt that because of showing me the end at the beginning made it where I enjoyed it less. But yeah, so but I think he's he's a looks like a good director. I, I. I'm not familiar with much else of his work, so I will, you know, keep an eye out for whenever he makes something else. And that definitely doesn't turn me off to seeing whatever he puts out next.
3: I had not seen anything that he had done. I I knew about the existence of the Frame of Four Fifty One, but at the time I didn't have HBO, and now that I did, I forgot it existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but now with Ocean's recommendation, yeah. I don't know that I'm going to make it a high priority. <laughs> right. Yeah,
2: uh, it's 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 best to have forgotten that it existed. It wasn't. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But but I agree. I mean, the, the thing is, I can I can see the the quality of his craftsmanship, like the performances he gets out of every actor. Like not once did I catch anyone acting right. Like every single one, I, I never thought like, wow, that guy's doing a great job of acting. Sure. Like I was so I was just like, they were the person they were in the story. I was one hundred percent in there. The production design, like the way they had you know, have anything, like structured and built, great. It was just the actual. How they put the pieces together, that's where I I had the the biggest problem, the biggest disconnect for me.
2: One of the pieces of that, the putting together that impressed me a lot, was the going back and forth between, I believe they're speaking Hindi, uh, Hindi and English, when they just go back and forth, and how... A lot of times in movies, when characters, I mean, they would do it mid-conversation. One sentence would be in yeah. English, one the next sentence is in Hindi. And, and, you know, you would think that that would take you out of the film. But, you know, they did such a great job of it that, that I felt like it flowed easily. I was able to easily follow going back and forth. And at no point in time did that bother me. And, I, and I, 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 to me, I would credit the, you know, the director and the editor uh, in, in you know, putting that type of structure together to, to have it where that device doesn't take you out of the film because it easily could.
1: Yeah. And even reading the subtitles, like I found it very fluid jumping back and forth to just listening to what they're saying and just looking down and reading the subtitles when they would jump into uh, the other language. I I really felt that was um, effective. And it was very natural, too, because, I mean, I've, I've been in countries where people do bounce between languages and it is like mid-sentence. It, I mean, that is how they do it. And so I felt like it was incredibly natural the way that they captured that within the film. So that was that was that was pretty exciting to see. So I mean the film I mean it really is about you know we have this whole story of poverty, corruption, this class struggle in India. Uh, you know the themes I I feel like are pretty overt as far as this idea of uh, you know how do you get into this position? Get how do you get what you want if you're never in a position to get it? This whole idea of learned servitude which I found I actually really enjoyed the metaphor that he talked about, this whole, the rooster coop that is brought up a number of times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I found that all really incredibly effective, especially in India, where that caste system that they talk about uh, a number of times is is so prevalent still to this day. And then also seeing the balance of that with... You know the the son and his wife coming back from America and their attitudes about all of this. Uh, I found it really interesting. How did that? Did all the thematic elements of the story uh, hit hit both of you as strongly as it did for me?
2: The rooster group for me was was a big one. I found that not only to be a great device to uh, really, I think, broaden some of my understanding of how the caste system has maintained. Right. So, so I, you know, whenever I've you I mean, know, my knowledge of the caste system and how it works, you know, I've known about it educationally. You know, educationally how it worked historically, and, and then you know, I've you know, I've, I work with Indian people, and so they'll talk about it. But the Indian people I'm working with are all in America, so they you know they they've been a little bit Americanized, you know, and then they, and they discuss some of these things. But then how the rooster coop analogy was to me even personally for me, like almost an aha moment of like, oh okay, so this is how this system has been maintained because they then view you know them viewing themselves at, kind of as roosters where even though they see what's going to happen and they see the bad thing they still <laughs> don't try to revolt they don't try to get out of it they're not going to try to run or escape or anything yeah. else and that how that thematically goes throughout the movie because there's multiple times where Rom you feel that you look about what barram is doing and you feel that he is now finally he has agency now he can get out and he still chooses not to You know, and I think that the going back to that theme over and over again really kind of shows you not only, you know, not only what he was, where his mindset was at the beginning or really the first two thirds of the film, but, but also, you know, his mindset, but also, you know, how, how much he has to change or give up or sacrifice in order to get out, you know, rebel and break out of the coop.
1: Yeah, I mean, after the whole accident scene and, and he signs that paperwork, I mean, his narration there says, uh, not once did I think I had options. I think that speaks so strongly to this idea of what you were saying of that whole the rooster coop. You know, they see what's happening, but they don't do anything to get out of it.
3: Yeah, that. <laughs> that yeah that analogy just unlocked it for me that i'm sort of like oh i now understand like from his perspective how he sees the world it, it changed everything because so many american films and american stories are individual it's about the guy it's about the girl it's about what they want but this is great because it shows that that system and also how it affects the family because in addition to be balram's story it's also about his brother and it's about his grandmother and it's about his father like that connection and then showing us what happens when you break the system that it's not you that pays the price? It's them. That is that is another another lock on the door, another way of keeping you in the, the rooster cage. Yeah. And then and I thought it was interesting that it's only future Balra, the one who's who's narrating, mm-hmm. who knows that. Yeah. yeah. We're watching it we're watching him caught in the cage and not knowing that there is a cage until later on where he's like, I, I know this now. I wish I had known it then. And
1: that is one thing that I did really enjoy about the narration is they do take that into account. Like he has that point where he actually says in the narration. I'm embarrassed about this. I wish I didn't have to tell you, you know, something like that. Yeah. I was like, "That's actually, you don't hear that in narration too often. And I was like, that's actually pretty interesting. There's actually like a perspective, you know, that we're getting within that. I thought that was kind of neat.
2: Yeah. And he did it a couple of times, not only just discussing yeah. with the Rooza crew, but mm-hmm. also when he, uh, the triggering or the, the triggering event that got it where he was going to drive Ashok to India. Right, you know, you know, that yeah, right. the, what he did to the other, to the other driver to, to, you know, to, uh, you know, outing mm-hmm. him as a Muslim, right, yeah. making it where then he's fired and he now can't feed his family or anything else like that. And he's, you know, he's ashamed of that moment as well. And so it does, uh, you know, it it makes, ball in this movie makes it you know for him for me it's by far and away my favorite character but it makes him really oh, kind yeah. of identifiable yeah. as 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 a human in that like you know he's not you know this isn't this isn't a superhero story right this isn't a i'm gonna overcome <laughs> everything story this isn't a i'm so special so therefore i got out and did this yeah. it was, it's really showing a,
1: Yeah, it's not scarface either
2: right exactly it's showing an evolution uh, if this is a
1: character who views himself as an entrepreneur, like he's always talking about that, but his nature of talking about it, like when he's, when he's younger, it's always in that servile manner where, you know, I'm going to, you know, take charge of my life and become a driver. Right. And that's like the whole thing. And then it's like, you know, I'm going to take charge of this by getting rid of the number one driver. So I can, I can, as a, the number two driver, I can move up to that position and it's a really interesting uh, thing that he never really actually gets to that place of being the real entrepreneur until he's finally able to get out of that mindset, which even after everything happens with the accident, he still can't completely shake right away. It's still like he's still living that for quite a while. And it's also interesting, I think, you know, it speaks to the way that, you know, his his uh, the person he's driving for. um, Ashok uh, and his wife that we see quite a bit, Pinky, they are kind to him. They, they've they been in America. They they don't and not, not we're not saying that America's ways are the best. It's just in context of the story, <laughs> they they've like learned something other than this Indian caste system. And now they're both like, why are you hitting the driver? Why are you talking to them that way? All of this sort of stuff. And they're very friendly with him. In fact, the whole accident happens because they're drunk and want to drive and they have him dressed up like a little Maharaja. And they're doing this whole thing and they end up getting into the accident. And then after the accident, I did find it interesting that, you know, it's it's really, you know, Ashok's dad who is pushing Ashok's dad and the mongoose like his I don't know, his henchmen, I guess we're calling him yeah. well, uh, the, who are the pushing oldest, the
2: oldest, his oldest brother. son. Yeah.
1: Uh, right, that's this, the brother, the, okay? The, yeah, the, yeah.
2: The, so, yeah, the, the, the son.
1: right. So, so, but the two of them are are pushing to have the paperwork signed. Right? They're the ones really pushing it, and Ashok and Pinky seem very against it. But also, well, I mean, Pinky, Pinky is kind of a, her own separate thing because she doesn't like it at all and she leaves. But Ashok is like, you know, he doesn't want to do it, but he's also. Seems to be like, you know, if we have to go through it, we have to go through with it. And it seems to be one of those things where he's torn with the system, but he still is like, you know, I guess we'll go along with it. He's not running off to America as he says, you know what, I'm. this is my home. This is my family. And I feel like he's settling in the system. And it's it's interesting the way that, you know, even a character like that who you think is going to find a way through all of this stuff
2: can't. Yeah, I, I guess you. I, I guess you. You um, give Ashok more credit than I did. Right? I, I, think, I, <laughs> you know, I, I think that Ashok and Pinky both were. You know, they, they. You know, they were. They were kind of. You know, American upper class. So they were. You know, they weren't going to hit and, ber- and berate their servants. But at the same time, they were still like, "No, you're still my servant. You're still going to do. You know, do what I, You're, yeah, you're exactly, still carrying the bag. You're still doing what I want you to do, right? It, you know, and that." And, and even throughout the film the little the beats of them being nice to Balram or showing him kindness was only when other indians weren't around right the second any other Indian is around, they, oh, they,
1: yeah. they revert to current. Let's say Ashok. I think Pinky was generally pretty nice. You know,
2: <laughs> well, I, I would I would argue saying with Pinky, when they, there's a scene where Asha, uh, Balram is serving, she has someone over a company, a guest the woman's over, and, oh, and Balram yeah. is serving oh, yeah. them tea, right? And she yeah, flips oh, yeah. out on him yeah. and hits him, and, you know, hits him. And now granted, he was, you know, scratching his groin, but, you know, but she, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but she flipped out on him, you know, hit him and smacked him and told him his breast stink and, you know, started insulting him, him and berating him just like everybody else did right now. And then, and then she leaves.
1: Yeah. It's it's context. That's true. Yeah.
2: Right. And then she leaves, the guest leaves and then Pinky reverts right back to, Oh, my bad. I didn't mean to be that mean to you because you know, you're a good person and I like you ball wrong, but yeah, they, Mm -hmm. I felt that they were both, you know, in a sense two-faced in that they, they, they knew, they knew that better. They knew how to treat you know, someone who is who is your, your servant or your employee, really. And they knew how to do that. And there's there's a line, you know, but but any time that they were presented around other other Indians and they had any type of peer pressure, they reverted right back to, to the, the Indian customs and they treated Baram like dirt.
3: And even when she left, when she finally left, she's rich. She could have paid for anyone to take her to the airport, but she knows that she's got some work from knowing no either. The one half of doing, she knows she's going to get in trouble and doesn't care, or she's not thinking about the repercussions for him at all because she just wants a ride and she knows this is the free way to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, and she obviously wanted to give him a gift, right? There's that whole ninety three hundred um, that that she does give him to. That's that's so she so going to spill. She's going Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It, yeah it's it, so. Yeah. I guess there is some coming from everybody, and but that's so interesting that uh they they all play this two-faced game through this caste system between the servants and the masters the rich and the poor the have's and the have-nots uh, you know like mm-hmm. the way that that Ashok's dad and brother act with uh with uh with Balram when they're getting him to sign the paperwork i mean they're acting like he's their yeah. best friend and then the next mm-hmm. day they're back to like kicking him over and pushing him and and swearing at him constantly uh they they sure love their, their expressions and <laughs> some of
2: the, <laughs> yes, some they of do. the expressions but, they're but constantly calling them. The stork and the Mongoose, I respect them a bit more, right? They they were true to themselves the whole way. They were jerks at the beginning. They're jerks at the middle. They're jerks at the end. You know, when they're being nice to them, you know, it's kind of a thing of where you're, you know, as, as the audience, when you're watching it, you're like, hey, they're manipulating you. They don't all of a sudden like you. They want this out of you. They want you to sign this thing. You understand what you've signed away your life. And that's why they're being nice. Right. So th- that's
3: right. He has no idea how much power he has in exactly. that scene.
2: Well, well, the, but I think Balram Rom recognizes in that scene, he has no power. He can't refuse to do it. If he refuses to do it, they can just throw him out all, you know, throw him out or they can say that, hey, you confessed it to me. He doesn't feel like he has any options. He demonstrated not only in the scene by signing it, which he knew was a false statement, but also then how afterwards he doesn't leave because after he's done, he can technically just get in their car and drive off. Right and and be gone, you know. But he doesn't do that, you know. So so yeah. So but but the stork and the mongoose, since they're manipulative and horrible people the whole way, I, I found that I respected them more than uh, Ash, 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 Ashok <laughs> and Pinky. That's like say you
1: respect the, the you respect the uh, the mob hitman well, or something. Exactly. It's well, like, yeah, that's yeah, what they
2: were. They were basically mob bosses, right? But, but they, they were. But they stayed who they were. They at no point in time were trying to pretend. Hey, I'm your friend and I like you. Except for of course when I'm manipulating you, which is you know that's fine.
1: That's yeah. exactly what they were doing. Yeah, no, I'd say they're exactly the same. There's, they're just in a more powerful position because they're, they're not – they don't they're feel the need to be as two-faced because they haven't had that that experience from a foreign country. They have always lived in this particular way that the caste system has. And they're always, like, questioning Oshock, especially Pinky, about, like, why are you trying to be so nice to him? You know, he's the servant. And so – yeah, it's yeah, I don't know. What a what a system.
3: It's interesting how the story unfolds too because we get to see how it goes? So they're they're obviously more powerful than than Balram, but then we think of them as being the top, and then we find out they're not because we meet the great socialist, yeah. and she's above them and treats them as badly as they treat Balram. Like she sets the agenda, she's going on, she spits on their floor, <laughs> yeah, on the
2: coffee table. table. I mean, you know,
3: <laughs> and,
2: then, and then right, this like, like you know pain. whatever this
3: this current this supposedly everyone thinks of her as Gandhi, and yet she's just as much <laughs> yeah. a mobster
2: right. as it's the rest
1: of them. Pain, right, pain it's pain all. More, just another rung yeah. on the yeah. cast. Such a corrupt system. Yeah. Yes. Really yeah. very fascinating.
2: You know, one thing about the movie as a whole is it did a really good job of showing the different rungs, right? You know, not, not yeah. only yeah. just, you know, because in Balram's world, it's a two-cast system, right? You know, you're either on the bottom or you're on the top, and then that's all the same. Once you're at the top, mm-hmm. everyone treats you the same. When you're on the bottom, everyone treats you the same. But really even in the bottom, right? His grandmother yeah. is above him. Right. His grandma right. is above everyone else in the family, you know, you know, and, and judging things. So even inside of that, there's a there's a caste system. And then his exposure to seeing how, you know, the rich people live and operate. You see there there is their levels. It is a caste system there as well. It is not as simple as the two as the two castes that he thought existed from the beginning.
3: And he sees himself as being above the other drivers. Yes even though like they're, technically they're on the same level but even they see there's something wrong with like he's not playing
1: yes. the game right exactly yeah they they there's a whole other level going on with just the drivers who all live in the in the parking garage the yeah, garage yeah, yeah yeah very interesting well let's talk about some of these performers uh Adarsh uh Gurov, he plays Balram this is his first leading role and holy cow what Great, yeah. what a performance <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah. Put him up for the Oscar now, because like, man, like, not once did I think of this guy as anything other than ballroom. Exactly.
1: And he he handles like the obsequious nature that he has to deliver when he's like the servant, right? Like, as soon as. Mm-hmm as the father comes in he's like you know getting on his knees and you know kissing his feet and all that sort of stuff and it's just like all of that like he's so delighted he gets to open the door for them in the car you know like he handles that so well and then watching his transition like watching this system break him watching him become this white tiger that one in a generation that that can be different uh and and start really having his eyes open and making the switch it really was incredibly powerful watching him Uh, through that transition uh, as he goes through um, in the last half of the film.
3: Because there's kind of three ball roms. There's sort of like your uh, and for the three stages of the movie, there's your the the poor kid who just wants to get out of the town, out from under the thumb of his grandmother. Then you have the one who's trying to play the game, learn the rules like be a good servant. And then there's the the sort of the powerful, thinks he's a master, the fat belly one too. (laughs) My only problem, my only regret is that I feel like we got to see from first ball round to second ball. We got to see that transition. But from second to third, we didn't. I feel like there's a missing piece of this movie. Like after he after he uh, murders, then next to now he's a businessman. Like there's a whole piece in there where I wanted to see like him transform himself into this guy as opposed to just and I got a car and here's a montage and the end. Yeah. Interesting.
2: Interesting. I, I guess I view the transformation as the murder
1: yeah that's that's what i would say too
2: right you know that that that's when he well turning yeah, yeah i agree turning point but, but yeah and so and he so, takes
1: that money and he goes and sets it on that guy's desk and is just like you know this is for what you're going to do for me and i was like yeah. okay i think he's made that switch
2: yeah because I, I felt that even um earlier through his uh constant eavesdropping Right right you know constantly dropping on and to learning things it was it was preparing him to where he' getting enough knowledge of things, and he kind of understood how things worked. he just didn 't have the um I guess guts to move forward and act upon the, this knowledge that he'd no, that he now learned right, and so once he commits the murder and steals the money right then, then he's like okay now i 'm going to act on and do these things that i 've seen the rich people do so I can then be you know a successful a, a successful businessman because that's really you know, at the end of the day, his whole dream is, I just want to be a successful businessman. Right. You know, so, so yes, yeah, so I felt that that was the transformation with the murder.
3: Transformation. Yes. I just, I feel like that, that part of the story got short shrift. I feel like of, of like the, the structure of the thing, like I feel like the third act just sort of like goes fast forward just because they're trying to get to the end as fast as they can. And it's like, I really want to linger in that a little bit more because I want to see how his experiences have affected him beyond just uh, you know a voiceover montage.
2: Yeah, no, I get that. I that I found that that you know if the movie were longer or, or you know I don't really think it needed to be. It ran. i thinking about it. it. was about two. No, hours it didn't longer. need to be
3: any longer. And I, I understand. I understand why because it's we're at at a good solid two hours.
2: Yeah, it was a good solid two hours. But the relationship with Hay and the kid. Because honestly, I was surprised he went back for him.
1: Especially because the voiceover says, you know, when I don't return in the morning, I, I expect that he'll know that he needs to run. Yeah, exactly.
2: I, I'd forgotten all about him. And so it, it, it changed the scene after the murder when he's standing in the train station holding the bag and he's looking you know, back at the train. I, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, he's just nervous because this is his highest window of vulnerability. And it never crossed my mind that the expression I think he was trying to emote was, do I leave the kid or go back for him? Right, you know, do I take the oh. risk to go back for him because he he knows this is when he's vulnerable. Once he gets on that train, he's gone. Right, right. But between until then, they can catch him. They he can find him. They can, they can do stuff to him. Right, and so yeah. the, the the whole risk is: do I go back and get the kid, or do I let him just you know? fend for himself and whatever happens to him happens to him. But, you know, he went back and he decided to then, you know, get the kid so he could then raise that kid's standard of living as well. Get him educated so he could get out exactly. and make something of his life. And so it turns out to be a good thing. But I, I did find that I uh, had that completely forgotten about the kid and th- was like, uh, you know, I, I thought he was going to leave him and move on. I'm
1: really glad he didn't because the way that th- that the interaction with the kid starts He's taking all of his aggression out about his. He, it's clear that that Balram feels pinned down because of his connection to his family, right? And and we make that clear throughout the course of the film, like. And you already said this, Kyle, when you do something wrong, it's not just you that's going to get punished, but your entire family will get punished like that is the way that they handle things here. And so that's keeping him from doing anything. But it's it's like he's finally had that switch flipped in his head by this point. That's like, you know what, I can't let my family hold me back. I have to move forward. And then this kid shows up and it's like he takes out his aggressions on this kid. And but then all of a sudden, like he stops because he's like, you know, face me again because I'm going to hit you. And then he doesn't. And I feel like there is this moment that he has where, where it's like he sees it's almost like he sees like I could I could use this kid and and mold him to be better even, you know, and, and I was like, OK, I think that that actually really was powerful. And so I was really glad that he ended up coming back for him. Okay, so Balram, we, we really like Adarsh Gaurav. Uh, Priyanka Chopra, she's, she's a familiar face or should be. Uh, are you too familiar with her?
2: That's a pinky. Uh,
1: as one of the most beautiful women in the world. Yeah, I'm familiar with
3: her. But I mean, I, she was on, um, oh, shoot, now, there was the, the ABC show where she was accused of being a terrorist. Honoko? She was in Quantico. That's it. I so That's the first season of Quantico. and thought she was fantastic
1: on that. She, she is, was also in Baywatch. <laughs> yeah, that I have not yeah, seen. Baywatch? I missed that one. That was, and she's, uh, you can check and out We Can Be Heroes. Was she's...
2: By the Oscars. I mean, you guys are missing a quality movie there.
1: Yeah, so, or yeah. something. Yeah, exactly. right, well, you, know, right. you know, if you've uh, on Baywatch
2: have a couple drinks, it's great. So, oh, okay, there you go, there yeah. you go. <laughs> okay, endorsement for emotion. Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
3: Future episode. <laughs> right, there you go.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, she is going to be in Matrix 4, so I'm curious about that. And, of course, she's oh, married to one of the Jonas okay. Brothers, I believe, Nick. Mm-hmm. So, um, But, wow, uh, yeah, she's she's stunning in this film. And I think that she's a great – she plays a great – Representation of that American Indian who's coming back to India and is just like seeing this system at work and is just really shocked. I, I enjoyed her role throughout the film.
3: And she is a producer on it as well. So I think she was one of the people who got the film made. So it's interesting that she has enough sort of clout and power to do that. And she chose sort of an unflattering role. Like, I mean, she does not come across as the hero. She could have easily found something where she was the main lead. She was to do the matrix thing that she's Trinity, <laughs> but instead she found one where she It's like a lot more acting has to be done because she's not really that likable by the end. I mean, of the, of the four of them, probably the most likable, but you know, yeah, it's the
2: <laughs> best of the really worst. Only one likable character in the movie
1: but you know uh, yeah yeah i mean obviously everybody has their issues i mean even Balram is making some decisions that are you know fairly questionable if you look at it. it's like you know he's killing people here um well, to get one, out of this man. just
2: <laughs> just, <laughs> no, just, know just one, yeah, just but, one guy was, you know he was in the way um right so, right I, well actually though that you know speaking of the killing that did surprise me as a decision you know as a choice and i i found that i actually had to think a bit about well, why would you do that because they're they're stopping off enough they're stopping at enough places here and there he has a lot of different ways to do it he could when he pulled him over just leave him there stranded on the side of the road and take off and that does give him a head start and the the only thing i could think of was in his head That really one of two things. One, he was partly being logical of, okay, well, if he's dead, I know no one's going to even think to look for me until tomorrow, right? Because they have to find his body and do that. Whereas if he leaves him on the side of the road or doesn't come, you know, leaves him at a drop off point and takes off, someone may call and then they start looking for him within the hour. And then the second one was, I think that maybe in his own mind, he was like, I have to, it has to be a clean break. Right, Like like I'm going to do to you what you would do to me and my family if I left. Like I have to do this this horrible clean break because I, I did feel that I had a mixed emotions with the murder where on the one hand I felt it was unnecessary. But on the other hand, I mean, I didn't care about Ashok enough to be like, well, if he lives, he dies, whatever. Right? As long as Balram makes it, which I knew he was going to, then I was fine. Would it have changed your emotional
3: state if it had been Pinky? <clears throat> or I if think it had been like, let's say, the, let's I say the two of them. If were it had there.
2: been Pinky, possibly because Pinky really only had situational power, right? Be- because she was married hmm. to Ashok, then that's where her power lied, hmm. right? But at the end of the day, he, she didn't have any real power over him, and she it wasn't really stopping him from doing anything right you know her her power was really more uh, go through ashok and ashok exerted his power over him and that's what you know, drove the various decisions he made you know and what he did and, and so yeah so had it been pinky i think it would have been different but then also had it been pinky i don't think it would have been a you know as as much of a cathartic thing that then it would have just kind of been a cold blooded murder right cuz now you're killing someone that doesn't really yeah. isn't really stopping you directly Hmm, interesting.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's I. You know, I I, I feel like I can uh, can agree with that to a certain extent, but I also feel like it had to be Ashok because, or, or perhaps the mongoose was another person that I was thinking. Maybe that's who he's going to get, or he's going to kill the mongoose and then he's going to take the letter and flee. But it it all made sense because it had to be around this this red uh, duffel bag full of money. And so I figured it had to be Oshock that he was going to get it from. And and Pinky, I mean, she was such an outsider within the family anyway, like they didn't want Ashok to marry her because she was a different cast and because, you know, she's, you know, she's been educated in America and she doesn't like the way that they treat women, that they treat anybody here. And so she has a very different mindset to his entire family and, uh, you know, is ready for divorce, really. I mean, by the time we get to the end of this film. So so I would have had a hard time seeing it work with Pinky as the one in the car, you know, but but, uh, you know, Ashok or his family, I think. I really would have been the only way for it to play out for me. Yeah. So, uh, so we like, we, but we like Priyanka as as Chopra. Do we like mm-hmm. uh, uh, Rajkumar Rao? He plays Ashok. What did you think of uh, his performance?
3: Uh, yeah, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he he played the great of like you. He comes in as sort of like, oh, it's look, it's the reasonable one. It's the nice guy. Yeah, like we've well, we've seen the the over the, the powerful father and the mean brother, and now oh, here's the nice brother, and he's the one who's going to be kind. And then as we see that he is just as corrupt as them, he just is either convinced himself he's not as bad or he, <laughs> he's just really good at showing off to the, the other one because yeah and, and that, that scene especially where you really get to know what he's like is when they're making him sign the paper and it was sort of like no no don't make him do it well okay yeah exactly. <laughs> I really see the privilege right there he's like oh well it benefits me so okay sorry buddy <laughs>
2: <laughs> it only benefits me tangentially yeah no I think that yeah, yeah right. I, I think his performance was great I thought he was very um uh, believable. I don't know when I looked up his information. I thought he grew up in India, so if he's doing an American accent or an American sounding accent, it sounded pretty. He sounded a lot, a lot like a you know someone who left India at 12 and then you know grew up in, grew up in America. Um, he did, he did a great job emoting and providing that impression. So I agree completely with what Kyle was saying in that he provided that impression, but then as it turns out, he is the low man on the totem pole in his family, right? Right, and that his. His words, you know, while Bahram views it as, hey, this is, I'm being protected by a high ruler, a high mighty person. And it's like, no, you're being protected by the least of your problems, right? And so that he he just doesn't have enough power to, power or will, to you know, effect the change that he wants, right? He he can't get the servants treated better. He he does he does roll over about the the signing of the uh, of the uh, the confession. He he also it goes along with the bribes, you know. Even though he thinks the bribes, yeah. you know, initially they're arguing against the bribes, right? You know, and so he, he then goes along with the bribes because he just you know he basically rolls over at any point in time when the Stork or the mongoose say this is how it's going to be here. You know, do you want to fix it, right? Because even when he's given them that option, where he's like, "They're like, okay, fine, you fix this problem," and then he's like, "Ah, uh, no, never mind, we'll do whatever, whatever you think."
3: Yeah, he talks a big game, especially to pinky. But at the end of the day, yeah. he's just one of them. Yeah, yeah.
2: But but his performance, I guess, as the actor. Sorry, I guess the original question. I went off on the tangent, The performance was great. Yeah, which yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah. But-
3: which which I know which is which is a great which is a great thing because like just that, that yes. amount of subtlety that's hard to do.
2: It, it is. It is, and so I, I, I really enjoyed his performance. I mean, at the end of the day, there was no one whose performance I didn't enjoy. I mean, even the, the. Oh yeah. goodness! I have to, I, I look up the name of the lady. The, the lady that played the other, the, the cab
3: driver. I mean, oh, that guy yeah. was great, too. Yes, was
2: great. I
3: mean, <laughs> He was great. I mean, like you know, just a completely like. I, I love when uh, you get to see something from a culture that's not yours, like that, that. It basically a window into something else, and you get to see somebody who's like, I have no. Antecedent to this, I have nothing <laughs> that is like this. And this guy comes up like I don't know what he was after, what his goals were, what he was trying to do. But I was fascinated by that because I'm like I want to know that guy's story yeah. because I <laughs> it was so different than anything I'd seen before. And so once again, just a minor, a, you know, fifth tier character or whatever. I still think great. in a lot of
2: ways, you know, which is not this is just my opinion, and I I could very well be wrong. But I think in a lot of ways that cab driver represented what Balram in Balram's head, what he wanted to get to was that right you know when he when he first got oh. off to be a driver and everything like that, I mm. think he viewed at that point, he was like this, because if you think about Balram early, what this guy has is, is arguably true independence. He's the number one driver. He's going back and forth. You know, He's talking to the other guys. He has a lot of status in the driver community. So, you know, whoever he's because, you know, they're all servants yeah. for somebody. So whoever he's a servant for yeah. has enough latitude or you know, is giving him a latitude of freedom where it appears like he's in charge. Like He's always just kind of out and about. And then he's always in charge of the other drivers. And so so I think that he represents what Balram thought his dreams was and then once he got around to you know where he's really in interacting engaging with this person he realizes oh I, I need to dream bigger
3: yeah
1: yeah and it becomes a cautionary tale and you get that conversation at the end of or toward the end of their quote relationship in the film where he's talking to that that guy who runs the head of the drivers or whatever and he's saying like what do you see as your future and he's just like, uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll make enough money and, you know, cause they're going to boot you by the time you're 55 and that's yeah. it. You're going to be on your own. So hopefully you have enough money to make a life for yourself. Cause if not, you're screwed. Yeah. And that was like, wow, yeah. this is what you have to look <laughs> forward to after all of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> no, it it really was a stellar cast. Like every part, I just I really enjoyed watching all of these people on screen. Uh, whether it was his dad, and I love that little. Mm-hmm. I I liked these moments that that Barani has throughout the film, and I'm assuming that they were in the original novel too. Uh, that uh, Aravind Adiga wrote, but like that moment when he's he's driving, and he's he just has that moment where he sees his father on the on the motorbike next to him and his dad's talking to him through the car window and just has you know a thing to say to him a little bit of wisdom and then it's but it was all just in his head but it's like I really liked the way that Barani was directing little moments like that throughout the film that really kind of put us into uh, Balram's head I wish there had been more of that yeah yeah it only happens a couple times really doesn't it yeah yeah, I, was, I I still really liked it. Well, we talked about um, the story structure already, um, as far as the way that the film kind of unfolded and everything. Outside of that, everything going on with the narration and everything at the beginning, the where we're seeing the murder or not the murder, but the car accident. Kind of, we're seeing the lead up to the car accident, and then we're seeing kind of his the setup for his narration, which is him writing this letter to this Chinese diplomat who's coming to visit. How does the rest of the story structure work for you? Do you feel that like just everything works the way that it's being told
2: here? Yeah. I I think that the showing the end of the movie at the beginning is the fatal flaw of the story structure. Beyond that, it is a compelling, it's a compelling, well-paced movie. Um, The, 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 the the progression of things. I, I feel that, as you kind of go with Balram on his journey, not only do you accept and you're you know willing to have him him grow, you feel frustrated when he doesn't grow quite at the pace you want. Right when uh, when Pinky leaves and he does a you know the only thing I could think of was it was like it was like an Alfred where he's going to you know put Ashok back together again, right? You know he's like I'm going to take care of you, Ashok. You know we're gonna it together. he's lying to him about things yeah. that Pinky didn't say just to build him up and make him better because he still is in the mindset of. I'm going to be with this guy and we're going to be together, you know, as master and servant, uh, you know, for life. And I'm going to, you know, that's, that is going to be my achievement. And then once he he gets turned on yet again, after doing all that, after, you know, taking him basically out of a drunken stupor, building him up, getting him fed and getting him back on his feet. He's then turned on again and treated like trash. I think that's what, you know, then you, you see, then you're like, okay, maybe now he's going to finally do it. And then still, you know, and still he does not And so you, you find that you're, the The structure of it, I think is great because you find that you're you're with them through the journey, but then you're almost frustrated he's not going fast enough for you now because now you're like, hey, you got <sighs> ninety three thousand rupees. What was it ninety three thousand rupees? Is that what, she, what, what Pinky gave her? You know, you can steal the bag. You realize he's a dirtbag. Now we can go on, right? And, and it's like, no, we still need to hang out some more and do this more things. And so, so if you're having that, to me, if you're having that reaction to his story that then to me, that is a sign of really good structure and really good storytelling because I'm invested in this character. I care about what happens to that character. And I, I have my own hopes and dreams for the character as the movie goes on.
3: Yeah. I agree with all that. I, I wish that, that we had sort of seen less of future. I like, have him have him narrate. That's fine. But every time they would cut to him, like in the future, like, like, you know, a thing, it sort of, took all of the it deflated the whole story. And it was like okay, so then and they're like, okay, we gotta catch back up again. Cause they would build up to these really narrow things where you're with Balram and all these terrible things that he has happened to him or is doing uh and then all of a sudden you cut to like and everything's going to be fine though <laughs> like don't worry like no matter what he's going to be successful and rich and it's going to be great like don't worry like it's fine but i i don't want that like let me stay in the te- let me stay in the nervousness let me stay in the tension uh, even even though we have a narrator you know like basically guiding us through uh, that i found that uh, i mean i'm sure that that was a novel and in a novel that works, but I don't think in a movie you really, really have to have a, a really, really strong editorial feel uh, to make that work. And here I just didn't think it did because it it sort of took away from the quality of the movie. So that's the thing is, I, I know I, I and I'm like I'm banging on about this. I didn't hate this movie, but I feel because I feel like there's such great stuff here that the structure is getting in the way
1: of the great story. Yeah. With all of the flashbacks to him in the future. Uh, Or the future, the 2010 story. Did either of you feel like this was um, like he was a successful businessman or was it only me who was like, is he a drug dealer? Like, what's he doing now? Like, like that, like that was my
3: impression from the trailer. The trailer made me think that that was where it was going to end up with him as a as a crime lord of some sort. Uh, But then when it was sort of like when it was revealed that he was like of just a
1: businessman it was like oh yeah I okay Okay. so there still was that surprise yeah
2: i i I, for me it wasn't i I got that impression from the trailer that he was he was there was white tiger driving and he was a successful businessman owned a driving company that's Mm. that's what i always thought i think that and i think kyle hit the nail on the head about there's a lot of that with the narration the almost better part of the story structure would have been kind of what you said you can keep the narration just don't ever show us Mm -hmm him in, in, 2010 until it's 2010. Right. You know, until you're at the end. Right. Because right. most yeah. everything he says, you know, you can, you can even accept the narrative. Of, okay. He is narrating to me from the future tense, but I don't know what that future tense is or what his scenario is. Cause he could be narrating to me from a jail sale. He could be narrating to me because this is the last moment of his life and he's been killed, right? You know, this you know, is
3: coming up the stairs. Exactly. You know?
2: Exactly. Yeah. He could, Yeah. So, but the fact that I know where he's narrating from does, it does diminish the stakes. Yeah. And so if you just don't show him, you know, especially in a movie, you're right. If you just don't show him, then it, I think it, it becomes a much more powerful story
1: it's a perpetual problem. Anytime you introduce narration into a film like that, especially when it's the narration of this is that person at the end of the film who is narrating you through the whole context of the film. I I feel like that always ends up becoming a a challenge and uh, it, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I feel like they're doing an effective enough job with it here, but that, that, I'm able to look past it and just kind of go with the film and enjoy the film for what it is, despite these issues that I have with that.
3: And in terms of narration stuff, the one pop culture thing that that occurs to me uh, that I remember when a, a narrator started that I knew the movie was dead, like right from the I, I sat down and watched and I bought my ticket and I sat down and the movie started and it was green lantern. Oh, and the text came up on screen and then someone started reading the text to me. And I'm like, it's done. Yeah. like, it's like, there's, you're not going to recover from this. It's like, I'm like, it's just going to go down from here. And that's exactly what happened. So I, I am, I'm always very nervous when there's a narrator because I've seen it done badly almost more times. Then I've well, seen it done
2: well. This movie is exponentially better than Green Lantern. <laughs>
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I was just <laughs> yeah, making a pop culture comparison yeah, for,
2: for, for narration
1: yeah, trouble. You, you wanna, <laughs> you yeah. be, Please don't ever put those two in any of yeah, Be careful when you're throwing around Green Lantern as a comparison to anything. <laughs> oh, well, oh, so here's a question for both of you. Uh, you know, this is an interesting film to release uh, right now, I think. I mean, how do you feel it fit into kind of like the zeitgeist and, and just kind of the conversations of the day that are happening um, these days?
2: I think that it's the fit of it dealt to me more with educating people that aren't familiar with the Indian culture about the culture, right? That is for me. And I'll, I'll, I'll own that. It's selfish the way I'm thinking about it. But for me, that is what I really felt this movie did. Well was I, there's a lot of things just about Indian culture that I didn't know that, that when you, and through this movie, then there are other things that where you see uh, you know other Indian people things that things that they do, how their culture is structured and things like that that now I feel more informed and i and i and i I feel that that is really one of the great services it's providing outside of the country of india i mean it 's a great story. Right. But, you know, if you saw this story in India, right, you know, you're already familiar with this, these cultural norms. So this would be like, okay, well, I understand the story. Right. But but for for me, outside of it, as an American, I find that, well, now I feel I'm educated more about your culture. And I think that that is the great as far as the zeitgeist goes now, that is the great service you're providing is that now um, the more education other people, other cultures have about your culture, the better.
3: I agree. And I I stand with you in ignorance because I was the exact same way. Like I, I knew nothing. So this was a a glimpse uh, into a world that I did not know at all. And I also like the fact that they mentioned the other glimpse into this world that most people know, which is Slumdog Millionaire. They actually (laughs) mentioned that. They make an offhand reference to it in the movie, which I thought was great because most people, that's the only other time they've seen this much of Indian culture. Uh, And so and
1: Lion, let's not forget Lion, which came out a few years ago. I, I had
3: Forgotten Lion, which came out a few years ago. So yeah, it shows you my the depth of my ignorance. Yeah.
1: Uh but in the same way, but
3: I'm not saying that this is now I understand Indian culture. <laughs> like this is no this is just a, a representation. Yeah. And it, it doesn't represent all of in yeah. India any more than like Godfather Two represents all of it, Italy. Like it's this just like one story in a world in a setting that I had not seen a lot of stuff in. And I'm anxious for more people to make stories in this setting because I think it it shows how a rich, diverse world this can be and all the different things we can do. And especially with the language thing, the language going back and forth, because when it starts down, everyone's talking English. I was like, did they really just make this just for people who speak English? And then when they started going <laughs> back and forth, I was like, oh, good. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was afraid that it was sort of like, let's make something for the dumb white people who don't understand yeah. anything. Uh, but it was then once I, was like, I understand that, like, okay, you're you're letting us see uh, into this world, which I, I was I was appreciative of.
1: I was wondering that too because it's it is on Netflix, and I'm like maybe the Netflix was mandating them to say you you've got to do it all in English because I, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon two, they did. Uh, you know the whole thing was. Uh-huh. Uh, It was uh, dubbed in English, and you can't get the original language here in the States. Um, But Ramin Barani, I mean, he is an American director. He was born in in the States. And uh, I don't know his his full background, but I I loved that he chose – like, the films that he makes tend to seem like he's really getting into the various cultures that he's telling the stories of. And so I really appreciate that. It feels very much like he is – in this culture. And what I love about the theme of this with the whole, the the battle between the rich and the poor, I actually feel like this is really a, a very relevant story to today. And his whole idea about like, from where I am, the only way out is either to you know, climb your way out or to go into politics is, is what he said, which I thought was very funny and into the context of everything going on in the world, in the U.S., especially in the yeah. last few years. I'm That's like, true. Oh. I mean, because
3: luckily in America, we don't have a class
1: system. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
3: oh, oh, <laughs> but it's interesting because our, our, the, in, in America, like basically, we just pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, uh, But in India, it is, it is very much defined, but it still is the story of... Of, if you have not, you're, the Haves aren't going to give you anything. Exactly. And, a, and one of the best, I think, one of the best lines of this movie was: "The rich never give you anything unless they're going to take something from you." Yeah. And that's when he was going to do that, and I was like, "Ooh,
1: wow that that line hit hard." That was when he found out he was getting replaced, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, really, really great film. Uh, well, let's let's start closing this thing up. Uh, last last remarks from you two. Last thoughts on this film.
2: I think that the, for, for me, I guess the last part, we've really kind of delved deep into what I really find about it as a whole in that, um, you know, try to forgive that, knowing in the end of the beginning, right? But beyond that, it is, it is a well acted, well done movie that is not only entertaining, but definitely educational about a slice of Indian culture. And so I think that it is very, I'm I'm glad that I saw it. And, and it's going to, I think, help inform me not only, you know, when I see other, other Indian movies, but also, you know, just, you know, when you see things either on the news or about people, you know, or you interact with people that you could then start to understand just a little bit more about, you know, where, where they're coming from and where their culture is so that, you know, we can kind of, bridge that gap to where we all understand each other a little bit better.
3: Yeah. Yes. To all that. I'm glad. I'm glad it exists. I'm, I'm glad it got made. I'm glad that it's on Netflix where everybody can get to see it because I think it is a really important story and I think it's a well done one. Like, like I said, all my problems are with, are with structure. But, like, don't let that stop you from going to see it, because uh, I think it is a great story. And I'm interested uh, to know, like, how much is similar to the novel. So, like, I didn't want yeah, right, to right. know that before going in, before having this conversation. Uh, but I'm going to go look it up now to see the differences and, and similarities and stuff, too. But, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a great story for now and to, to show that there are more stories than can be told, uh, like, around the world that can be universally
1: accessible. Yeah, and I love that Netflix is is pushing stuff like this. I think that's fantastic. Agreed. All right, gents, Letterboxed uh, over on Letterboxd, you can rate it up to five stars and you can add a heart. What would you two give it on Letterboxd?
2: I'd give it four stars and a heart. I think that the the movie's great. I think the you know my quibble with the structure does definitely knock it down a point. Um, but beyond, but beyond that, you know, so now that I'm thinking about it, I think it'd be four and a half and a heart, right? Cause I really enjoyed the movie and I really liked it. And I just knock off about a half a point because I didn't like knowing what happened at the end. Uh, but the, the movie itself was really, was, is really good. It's really well done. I, I really like Balram. I, don't care about the other characters, um, but <laughs> so,
1: so, in, in a way you're not supposed to. Exactly.
2: In a way you're not supposed to. I don't yeah. about anyone else, but yeah. So, so yeah. So, so I, I find I'd be somewhere in that, you know, four, four and a half and, but definitely with a heart
3: i'm gonna go three uh mostly because uh i, I while i enjoyed it i don't think that I would go back to it so that always is what sort of bumps me up to the the next level and then my sort of my structural problems keep going there I, it is a quality film that i think everybody should see but i i don't find it as going
1: into any of my top whatever list would you give it a heart yes all right. Well, I'm, I'm with you, Ocean. Uh, four and a half, uh, from me. Uh, the structure of the, the way that the story was framed, I did struggle with a little bit, but otherwise I just, I was totally invested in this film. I loved these characters. I loved this story of, uh, the struggle to try not being stuck in the rooster coop. I, I really enjoyed it. So four and a half stars and a heart from me. So. I'm just gonna get roasted. I can tell people are gonna be like, "How could you?" <laughs> yes. I think you have clearly enjoyed the film. Still, yes, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Say,
3: so I, I want to say, people are gonna see that. You know, we're gonna like as we talked about in, in the pre-show, <laughs> they're gonna just look at the rating and go,
1: "What's
3: wrong?" With him? I, I
2: like, I, I like the. I think that that rating system makes sense. I like the the caveat, right? That it's a great movie, but if I'm not going to watch it again, that is a three star. And I, and I would view it the same way. Whereas I'm, I think about this and, you know, I've already seen it, I would argue one and a half times now. And I do have plans that, you know, there's other people that I want to expose this movie to. So I'll, I do plan to see it again and I, yeah. and I, I will enjoy doing so. But it, you're right. If, if I would any movie that I enjoy that I would only watch once. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think three stars is appropriate. It still, it's still, that doesn't make it a bad movie.
3: And that's what I hope people who just look at the rating will understand.
2: I'm preemptively defending you. And that's, why we, you like I that's why we like the hearts. That's why we like the hearts. because
1: I think there's a big difference between a three-star film with a heart and a three-star film without a heart. Absolutely. I think that's true. So, Well, everybody, uh, we have one more film we're going to be talking about this month. Next week... <laughs> Very quickly, it's right around the corner. We're actually looking at Fisher Stevens' film Palmer over on Apple TV+. Plus. We're going to be targeting a recording early Saturday morning, January 30th, for any members who want to join us for the pre-show chat in Discord or watch the live stream of the show, and then we should have the episode out on Sunday. I'm going to be joined by Tommy and Mandy, so make sure you check Palmer out and then tune in for that show. Don't forget to join our online community with fellow movie lovers. Learn more at the slash discord. And if you're interested in supporting us to help keep the lights on and get some great benefits while you're at it, head to thenextreel.com slash membership. Kyle, Ocean, thanks uh, thanks for coming, joining, joining me to talk about The White Tiger tonight.
2: Yes, thank you. Really, really enjoyed the experience. I uh, liked the movie and really enjoyed the conversation.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm, I
3: don't know that I would have. Uh, this would have popped up on my radar if it hadn't been a, a pick. So great, thank you for
1: spotlighting yeah. it and letting more people see it, including myself. Absolutely, that's what we're here for. Well, the next reel when the movie ends, our conversation begins.
0: Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It. Biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man.
1: And sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune.
0: And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon based on David non nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book and it's fantastic.
1: It's always fascinating to look at the source material and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories.
0: And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu.
1: That's right. thenextreel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows.
0: So what are you waiting for? Head to the slash originals and get your next read today.